Hello, welcome back to 3Gen Theology. We are in the middle of talking about pneumatology, the work of the Holy Spirit. Glad you are with us today. Looking forward to uh, this discussion of that ongoing relationship and uh, want to uh, encourage you uh, in, uh, in your walk with Christ uh, to see how the Holy Spirit makes a big difference in our lives. Um, as we talked about either last time or the time before, how the Old Testament people, uh, we look at them and think how great it would be to have been in those miraculous settings and yet feel like they would look at us and say, man, how great it would be to have the Spirit with you all the time. Uh, so um, let's take advantage of that great privilege uh, that we have together. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Be honored, Lord, as we uh, walk through this uh, truth of who the Spirit is and how we uh, maintain that relationship. Lord, help us uh, to speak accurately and, and to be an encouragement in people's lives. Thank you for this time in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Dan. Well, we have been talking uh, about a very important subject, and that is the benefits of having... Are there the any of these Spirit. subjects that are not important? I just want to see if... Uh... <laughs> Each time we say this is a really important subject, and, well, it, and it is, is a very important. It is. Subject. It is a it really. Is, it subject. is in the pile of many very important <laughs> subjects. It's like my favorite verse. I've got <laughs> seventy-five of them. I actually have more than that, but <laughs> <laughs> we have fun here. I just kicked Dan under the table. That's it's right. you know, it's no big deal. Um, we uh, we've been talking about the benefits of having the Holy Spirit in our lives. Today we're going to talk about. Uh, cooperatively maintaining the benefits that we have through our relationship with the Holy Spirit. When I say cooperative, uh, I'm basically referring to the fact that there is a cooperation going on, that there is a divine side to what is going on in our spiritual lives, and there's also a human side, which is basically the obedience part of uh, maintaining our relationship. By maintaining, I, I mean that we want to make sure that we are working with the Holy Spirit and not working against him. And the problem that we often have, because we still have sin natures, is that we will become, uh, I love the Japanese word, ganko, uh, <laughs> we'll become stubborn. We will basically say no, or we'll say, uh, or we'll get involved in a sinful situation, either one of which is not working cooperatively with the Holy Spirit, which means that the Holy Spirit will then have to work in us to bring us back to full fellowship with the Lord. Two, two quick uh, thoughts on that. One is, as we looked at the benefits, uh, we noticed that they were either uh, given to us or available to us, Right, and so that available to us means there's going to be a cooperation of us practicing those yes. things. Right, they're yes. either given to us or available to us. Uh, and then the second part of that is that the Spirit never stops His part. Absolutely not. Right, when no. even when we're ganko, 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 um, <laughs> that that the Spirit continues to work um, in our lives, uh, e even if we don't notice it, if we aren't seeing it if we've grown callous to it, but uh, uh, his work continues. Yes, it's, it's sort of like taking a, uh, a medicine that we don't feel. There, there's no physical 
uh, response to having taken it, but the medicine is working there to accomplish its purpose, to make us better. The Holy Spirit never ceases in his part of the operation. It's just that there are times when the Holy Spirit has to bring us back from the wrong path that we've chosen. We feel distant from God sometimes, but in none of those times has the Spirit stopped working in a believer's life, right? Absolutely. There is never a time when we are distant from God because God has distanced himself from us. If there's a distance that we feel, it's a distance that we've created. We know who moved. That's right. Right. We know who moved. (laughs) (laughs) So with God the Holy Spirit filling, uh, leading, empowering us, our desire is to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to keep that benefit going, to walk by means of the Spirit, to, uh, to grow in our Christian experience. And through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit, that growth is possible. So if we think about the, the way in which maintenance needs to be done, Uh, This is not like going into a garage occasionally and having maintenance done on our car. This is something that is occasional, but it's done uh, especially with the realization that my part with what the Holy Spirit is doing is an obedience that doesn't quit. So one of the first things, Paul having that in mind, One of the first things he wrote about that in the book of Ephesians, in the chapter we looked at concerning the filling of the Holy Spirit, is to tell us that we should walk as those who are not fools, but those who are wise. Where do we get wisdom? From the scriptures and from the Spirit helping us understand it. (laughs) That's right. So that's where that cooperative is. We go to the scriptures, and he does his work of helping us to understand them, right? Right. And our wisdom is demonstrated by not only having what the Holy Spirit provides for us by way of illumination of the Word of God and provides in response to our prayers for wisdom, but it's also very definitely the work of the Holy Spirit giving us direction in our lives. It's the exercise of these things that helps us to be able to walk not as fools, but as wise. We don't exercise it. Well, it's sort of like we talk about with our bodies. You know, if you don't exercise it, if you don't use it, you lose it. Um, And in this particular case, the wisdom that the Lord gives us is to be worked out as we work step by step each day through our lives. I think believers uh, sometimes go on like either side of this. It it, it comes out to be a self-focused view, but either they think, well, I'm not really, I'm not that educated, I'm not that smart. You know, I, I can't really do these great things or whatever, but uh, it is good to be educated and it is good to choose uh, 
to do smart things within life, but this is choosing what is wise before the Lord. Yes. Right? Wise before the Lord. And it, it they they certainly overlap. <laughs> they certainly overlap, but um, because you don't have letters behind your name doesn't mean that you might be the wisest person in your church, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, because it's about following what the Lord wants. On the flip side, there are people who think they have it all together, and they can do it on their own, mm-hmm. but there is no strength <clears throat> or power there. And so it is the relying on the Spirit's leading, uh, taking in the Scripture, having the Spirit help you understand it so that you can apply it to life, and that's what that wisdom that wisdom is. Yes, and that helps us, Dan, to take advantage of each moment. The wisdom that we have allows us to determine how our steps should be taken. Scripture gives us the guidance as to what the Christian life, the spiritual life, is supposed to look like. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to be able to live that life. And so as we use the time that we have available wisely, using each moment that we have in serving the Lord and giving ourselves to him in thinking the thoughts that God wants us to think, yeah. we continue to so take So we're just walking through Ephesians 5, 15, and 16 here, yes. uh, making the most of time because the days are evil. So it's both urgent uh, because we need to reach people. Uh, we need to um, confront um, the wrong that's tempting us all the time, right? It's urgent, but it also is precious because uh, here we have the Spirit with us, and we can choose to live as though that makes no difference in our life, or we can choose uh, to make the most of that time because of how precious it is that yes. the Spirit would be in us. So both urgent and precious. Absolutely. Both of those things are true. And it's it's important, you, you mentioned the, the witness that we have to people around us. It's important to realize the fact that they either see the benefit of the work of the Spirit of God in our lives as we walk, or they don't. They're either attracted to Christ by the way we live, or they're not. We... Uh, or at we, least they see the difference, right? It may, they, maybe they it may be that they're the not difference. attracted right then... Uh, because they're confronted with something, right? They're confronted with righteousness, and they don't like it, but they, they do see the work of the Spirit in us. That's right. Right, yeah. Yep. Now, understanding the will of the Lord and walking in it is the last of those things that, uh, be, before being filled with the Holy Spirit, that Paul mentions in Ephesians 5. Um, a lot of struggle goes on in people's lives because they're desperate to find out what God's will is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they look for all kinds of ways to find out what God's will is so they know what God's will is and then they can do it. But one of the wonderful things to realize is that the, the word of God, first of all, is given to us to let us know what the will of God is. In order for us to be able to move any further in the Holy Spirit's leading us into his will for us in the future, we need to be obedient to the expression of that will that's already there. Yeah, the will of God is, a, is an interesting thing. You want People want to know the, uh, the 10-year, 20-year plan of mm-hmm. what the will of God is. 
And typically the will of God is much more about how do I live the next five minutes? Yes. You know, um, how, how does righteousness shine through my life right now? Uh, and seemingly if I take all those individual steps that the Lord wants me to take on, uh, on a righteous every five minutes idea, he gets me where he wants me to be in five years and 10 years and 20 years. Right. Um, but it's hard. It is, um, there are times of, of bewilderment, right? There just are where I don't know what a year from now looks like. And that's hard. It's hard to not know those things. Um, and yet, uh, it's the same process of, I do what's right what's what's uh what the spirit would desire for me now and he'll get me where i need to go that's easy to teach it is harder to live through when there's a unknown there so uh as a as a youth pastor obviously i deal with this on high schoolers generally mm-hmm. who are making big decisions for lives yes. going to college what job do i do and they're it's ironic that at 17 you feel like you need to have your entire life figured out mm-hmm. um <laughs> And so that's a very normal life period to, to really hit hit this yep. hard. Yep. Um, and I think often, I think it's a very normal thing to kind of get to a paralysis by analysis thing of there's so many options that I don't want to do anything. Um, and so as, as you guys have kind of counseled people through what the will of the Lord is and maybe that situation in college or whatever, or maybe there's, there's other times where people are, are having this where they feel like they don't know where God's will is is leading them. How have you guys kind of counseled people through that process? Okay. I think the, there's two signs of that. I think people, I think people seek the singular thing, the singular will of God in their life. And there are more options there. There, you can, you can do anything that's, that is within the framework of what God wants for you. Mm-hmm. There's not so on your side especially. There is not a singular thing, um, and uh, so um, you know there's a freedom in that that I don't I don't have to know, and and I'm not missing it if I don't do this singular thing. On God's side, I would think there is a more singular thing that he is going to direct you toward, mm-hmm. but he does the directing. I don't have to uh, I don't have to have a seance to figure out exactly what the thing the Lord wants for me to do. He works that out and he brings about uh, the more particular thing. I always I, I liken it to a dad walking along with his with his son. And how he can just put his hand on his son's head and just turn his head a little bit, and they're going a different direction. Mm-hmm. And so you, as long as the son walks along with the dad in cooperation with the yes. dad, not fighting the dad, just the gentle little, little nudge on top of the head, um, say, okay, we're going to walk this way now, you know, and you don't even have to say that. It's just a little turn of the hand, right? you know. Um, and now you're walking this way and you've gotten exactly where the father wants you to be. And Mm -hmm. so I like that picture of the cooperation between father, son in that idea that the spirit will lead us to that particular thing. But, but from our side, uh, our, our, our every five minutes of doing what's right, what's good, what's holy, uh, will get us to where he wants us. So I, I try to give a freedom, a freedom, um, counsel. 
and a trust God counsel. Mm-hmm. I think that's those are the two things I, I emphasize. Absolutely. Uh, a passage that, that I often refer to, Sai, is in James chapter 4. Um, at the end of the chapter, James wrote this, verse 13, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. So James is really dealing with a a basic problem of people. And that is the problem that we have a tendency to feel that everything depends on me that I make the decisions, I take the steps, I plan my life, and God just has to kind of catch up with me along the way. It's the opposite. That's exactly what James is saying here. That's what Jesus taught when he taught about the fact that there was a man who had decided he was going to build a barn so that he could fill it up and get richer. And God took his life that night. He was gone. So his plans to build the bigger barn and become wealthier fell apart in an instant. The point that James is making here is that if we are willing to say, by God's grace, I would like to go here and do this, I believe it's the wise decision to make based upon what I know from the scripture based upon what God has done in my life, the, the gifts he's given me, my, my willingness to let the Holy Spirit and the Father lead, um, I would do this. I would go to this college. I would go into this profession. But I'm open to the fact that God's will might direct me in another way. And so I will say, if God wills, I will live and I will do this or I'll do that. But I have to be submitted to the Lord in order for him to be able to do, to then direct me within those choices that we make. Right. I often I'll talk about how it's a I, – I look at it ironically – I don't know if the right word, but the, the idea that we feel like – if you really play out what we're thinking, we feel like when we make a decision, God's going, oh, no, oh, oh, well, that's it. That's their whole life. Uh, yeah, and, like, I think uh, there's a, a book uh, called Just Do Something uh-huh. um, that I that has been given. I think I have four copies because it's been given to me by different people, but then I've given them out, so I don't know. I don't know what my copy rate is at, but I'm yeah. get, getting them in and giving them out. Yeah. Um, but it's the idea of doors. Like you walk through, if you're, if you are following what God wants you, what you to do. If you're close to God, if you're desiring what He wants, there, yeah, there might be six doors. Well, pick the one that you think is best and walk through it. And mm-hmm. God's not sitting up there going, "Oh, I picked he the wrong picked one." The wrong door. Right? He says, "Okay, if I, if He wants you over here, then He'll close the next one and and get right. you where He wants you to be." And so. There's there is a lot of freedom, like kind of what Dad talked about. There's there's a lot of freedom there yes. in that. Uh, it's easy saying that from the 
from the other side of the doors than from you know when you're when you're in the situation. But yeah. I do think uh, I think oftentimes we we get caught up in feeling like well I I, I there's there's six decisions and I, and I don't know which one to do. Yeah. But <laughs> just just keep walking. In just very, do five minutes in a very um, a cliche, but exactly this scenario from my own life. I was choosing which college to go to, mm-hmm. and I was deciding between Cedarville and Faith. And I, honestly, it neither one would have been a bad choice. Neither one would have been wrong, right? Neither one would have been bad. Neither one would have been ungodly. Uh, I was choosing uh, between a college, and I chose Cedarville to go to. And like you're saying, God was not up there like, oh, no, right? I think I would have gotten a very similar education. Mm-hmm. It, it, it would have had some different topics, right? It's faith would have been almost all Bible, and Cedarville was um, liberal arts, right? So there's a little bit of difference there. I got a very similar, similar doctrinal training uh, in the two. Um, but I met this girl at Cedarville mm-hmm. that has changed my life, you know? And, and so I was there. <laughs> I was there to meet her. I don't think that's the only reason I was at Cedarville, but... Uh, the most profitable thing I ever got from Cedarville. I mean, I, I love my education at Cedarville. I thought it was great, but it doesn't compare to my wife, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, and so I, I, I was free to choose either one or others, you know what I mean? But I had it narrowed down to those. I, you know, I was free to choose either one, but I remember really thinking through, no, I should go here. No, I should go there. No, I should go here. And, and just really playing that back and forth. And uh, honestly, uh, neither one was wrong. Neither one was bad. Uh, but I feel like the Lord led me, uh, even unbeknownst to me, you know, led me to go to Cedarville and uh, and change my life, mm-hmm. you know. So I think that's a, it, it is a bit cliche in that because how how would I know what have happened? What would have happened if I'd gone to faith, right? I don't know. Maybe you'd have drove, driven to a cornfield in Iowa instead of Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Could be, right? Could be. Uh, but uh, in my case, uh, I had planned to go to Western Baptist Bible College because when I was uh, stationed in San Francisco, I went over there to uh, to take a class, and and I liked the school. I liked the teachers there. Uh, there was only one problem: as I got close to getting out of the service and getting married to my wife, Jan, whom the Lord had led me to. Um, Western moved to Oregon. So here I was at the last minute, now what's God going to do? And at that point I was counseled by some friends to go to the the dean of the seminary that was there in the church where I was attending uh, and talk to him about possibly coming on as a special student they accepted me, and that's how my uh, you've been graduate spe- education You've been began. a special student for a long time. Oh, thank you so much, Dan. <laughs> I appreciate that. But uh, the thing is, God had that in mind the whole time. I just didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. So as I moved in the direction he wanted me to go, he clarified it. He opened or Yeah, there were some clothes. Like for door. me, I was. I, uh, there was nothing wrong. Like uh, Drew's in his last year at Purdue, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's nothing wrong with Purdue. But it's not where I was going to go because that didn't that didn't make sense for me. I was I was going to be taking Bible, yeah. and and Purdue didn't make so there there were colleges that were filtered out through uh, through thinking through it, mm-hmm. and I think through thinking through it in a in a what does God want way, yeah. um, 
but uh, then the, then it comes to the, there's times where there's six doors and all of them are possible, you know, and uh, or sometimes there's no door, right? There right. I don't see mm-hmm. I don't see where I'm supposed to go uh, at all, and at the same time, same the same trust keep keep doing what you know God wants you to do, yes. right? Keep doing those things and, and God will work that out. Yeah, yeah we even of, go ahead. The creator of everything is not limited by the yep. situation you're in. No, yep. no matter how big the situation is, right. he's not limited by he's, that situation. That's right. Absolutely. He's bigger. And that's the, that's the key, isn't it, Cy? It's, it's your relationship with the Lord now. If you're out of fellowship with the Lord and you're making big decisions for your life, it's sort of like the situation that is described when you've had a terrible accident and uh, you're you're in in bad shape physically you your your mind is is reeling and at that moment you might decide to make a decision that's very foolish you're advised counseled don't make a big decision at a time like that spiritually speaking that's where so many of our uh, people might be when they're making the wrong decisions because they really don't have a relationship. I think that's funny. And when people move, uh, they they might see a promotion that gets them more more income, and so they feel like they need to move. But there's so much more to life yes. than the level of that income. Right. It's awful hard to say no to that. But uh, consider the rest of the parameters. Right? Yeah. Pray about it. Um, you know, and and I think there's a lot to that. That. People yeah. get caught up making decisions without the spirit's control, right? Um, and well, using your illustration, using your illustration, what about a situation where someone says, uh, "I have an opportunity for a job in such and such a city," and you say to them, "Oh, that's great. Have you looked into it?" Yeah, I've I've looked into it. I've I've found a place where I could live. I've uh, you know I've I've been talking to some of the people there, and they tell me it's a great place. Have you found a church yet? Yeah. Uh, no, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Well, there's one of the problems. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it could be the right place to go. Right. You could but be, the priorities maybe that you're such a blessing to this church that is near where you're moving that it's great, but it it may be that it's trouble because you're not going to get involved. Yeah, that you know that transition will transition you away from the church body. Anyway, or you're not think even it. thinking about think through it, the through spiritual it. necessities right. involved in making yeah. that move, yeah. which is possibly an indication of something that we're going to talk about next and maintaining our relationship with the Spirit, and that is, um, what is the what is the meaning of Paul's writing in Ephesians four thirty to thirty two about grieving the Holy Spirit? What is, what's involved in that? What's happening in a situation where we grieve Him? Um, if we look at that passage we'll find out that one of the things that Paul was trying to help the Ephesian Christians to understand is that their relationship with the Holy Spirit was so vital that they had to make sure that there weren't things that were being done routinely or by choice that would destroy not only their testimony, but destroy their walk with the Lord and the Spirit. 
Uh, look at uh, Ephesians 4, beginning with verse 28. He who steals must steal no more. He, rather, he must labor, performing with his own hands what's good, so he has something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word is good for edification, for building others up according to the need of the moment, so it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. So here we find grieving the Holy Spirit right in the middle of a list of wrongs, of sins, of things we should not be doing as believers. And so there is a direct relationship between grieving the Holy Spirit, bringing grief to him, and the sin that we commit as believers. When we choose to sin, we are grieving the Spirit. This is one of the beautiful passages in seeing just how much a person the Holy Spirit is. Because he not only, <laughs> to use the illustration you use, Sai goes, oh no, they've done it again. But he's grieving over the choice that we have made to sin. I think you can easily see this in, um, in, for me, in parenting and in pastoring both, that you see someone else make choices that are off base, and you, you just, it's heartache, right? It's heartache for that person. Uh, right. But I'll, I'll give it in a, in a more uh, constrained setting, and that is coaching. Uh, you know, you, you set out a, a parameters for your players to, to follow, <laughs> And then when one of them just won't do those things, you know, it, it, you can see that it's hurting the whole team. You can see that, it, that it's help, not helping that person develop. It's, mm -hmm. you know, you can see all these things. It's just like, no, would you stop, please? Yeah. <laughs> please stop doing that, you know, uh, or begin doing that whichever way. And I, I, so uh, that, that feeling is nowhere close to the depth of what the grieving of the Holy Spirit is, but it is that same idea that, that uh, disappointed, but it's not disappointed in a uh, pull my hair out, but more of a heartache, mm -hmm. you know, a heart, mm -hmm. heartache idea, hurting for someone. And that, as a coach, is a situation where you have a real desire, not just to win. You have a desire to build up those people you're right. responsible for, those, those athletes. And it, it hurts your heart when you see one who's doing everything wrong, yep. who is choosing to not be obedient to the directions of the coach. Yep. When we think about the love that God has for us, the love that the Father has for us, the Son has for us, and the Holy Spirit has for us, it helps us to realize how deep this grief is. Mm -hmm. He is setting us on a path of righteousness. He's setting, upon, uh, setting us upon a path of victory, of, of freedom, of joy. Uh, and yet we are moving off that path because we're attracted away by something else that will only lead us to grief for us, but will lead the Holy Spirit to grief as well. Because now, instead of 
enriching my life with his filling. Now, instead of uh, giving the fruit of the Spirit in abundance, now instead of uh, guiding and leading me in the will of God, now the Holy Spirit has to be working on bringing me back from my choice to fellowship with the Lord again. In a similar list is the idea of the quenching of the Spirit. So 1 Thessalonians 5 has that in a list of things to do or don't do. Uh, it has the, to don't quench the Spirit. So that would be m- more of an ongoing grieving, right? Choosing to continue the path that is uh, um, away from what God is. The mm-hmm. things that would grieve the Spirit, you keep doing those and you cut off the Spirit's impact in your life. Right. Again, the Spirit never stops working with you, on you, uh, but we um, we can grow callous to what the Spirit uh, is doing. Right. Uh, and I think that um, that idea of when you work with a with a tool, you haven't you haven't done labor for a while, and you you go dig a hole, and you realize you've got blisters on your hands. Your hands are very tender to that work, but after you work for a while, uh, you gain calluses, and you can dig and dig and dig, and you're not going to get blisters anymore. Uh, on that side, it's good because you, you want those galluses to not hurt. But on the side of the Spirit, when we go against Him, we sense it. We know it's wrong. Mm-hmm. But then as we keep doing it, we grow more callous uh, to His influence in our life. And uh, again, that is multiplied grieving. Right. And if we want to really capture the image of this quenching of the Spirit... Uh, we, we can see the different ways in which that word is used. It's used of putting out a fire by throwing water onto the fire. Mm-hmm. Well, if the fire is burning and it's accomplishing whatever the fire is intended to do by throwing water or throwing sand on the fire and quenching it, I am causing the fire to cease to do what fire does. In the case of fire, if it's burning something down, you want to quench it. But in the case of the Holy Spirit, if he's working effectively in me and I throw water on the fire of his work, if I do that which is uh, disobedient to God, I know his will, I know what it is, much like James said, I know what God wants me to do and I say, no, I'm not going to do that. Basically, I'm rendering the work of the Holy Spirit in me ineffective. I make, I'm, I'm putting out his fire in, uh, in the work that he wants to do in my life. And we don't want to do that. Yep. We don't want to tell you know, the Holy Spirit, I don't want you to do in my life all the wonderful things that you want to do. I have my own choice. And it's leading you in the wrong way. And you're quenching the work yeah. of the Spirit. Your, your, uh, th- that word quenching and your description of it, it, it happens in the church from one person to another also. Mm-hmm. That when I'm, when I'm not living for the Lord uh, and you show this vibrant fire, <laughs> that sometimes I throw water mm-hmm. on, on you, you know, and uh, how, how sad that is. Not only do we do it to ourselves, but sometimes we find ourselves doing it to others as well. Right. Uh, has no place in the church for sure. No. Maintaining our 
our relationship with the Spirit. We don't grieve Him. We don't quench Him. Uh, but we are not perfect. We certainly do things that are off base. And so part of that maintaining is confession. Yes. Right? Confession. Pastor uh, Willis, uh, I always talk about this. He has a three-second rule. First time he talked about that, I thought he was talking about food, and I was looking around for where the food was on the floor to pick up. But he was referring to don't let sin go on in your life, mm-hmm. three-second rule, uh, and, uh, and cut, cut that sin off and, and confess it. First uh, John 1, 9, of course, talks about that. But uh, that when you, know you, when you know what you're doing is grieving the Spirit, then uh, keep a short account on that and uh, don't allow it to go on. Uh, and so it's such a good uh, part of that. We, we try to act like we're good all the time, but that's not the truth. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not. And so uh, an openness, uh, a tenderness to confession is, uh, is really an important component of that maintaining the spirit, maintaining the relationship with that, spirit. That maintaining through confession sometimes seems to a believer who is really affected by the 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 sense that I've done wrong, I know I did wrong, I, I want to confess this to the Lord, I want to get back in fellowship with Him. Sometimes it seems, well, okay, I did that the last time, and now I've done it again, and I need to confess it again, but the Lord's just going to get tired of my confessing, so I should just give up. And that's wrong. Mm, right. It's wrong. Number one, the, the fact that you continually sense the need to confess sin indicates that there is something in your life that desperately requires the work of God in your life, and you need to confess it. But the other side of it is that there is no limitation that's placed in that verse. Confess your sin and the Lord God will cleanse you for the first five times you try. But after that, eh, forget it. It doesn't work. There's nothing like that. It's, it's a continual offer of an opportunity for me having sinned to come back to fellowship with my Heavenly Father. This uh, relationship with the Spirit is one that does cause growth. It does cause maturing. Um, you always get in trouble when you say, if you don't see the growth in somebody's life, they're obviously not saved because all of us grow at different, at, at different ways, different times, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that is what the Spirit is doing in us. He's, he's causing maturity. Right? He's yes. causing growth. That's, that's what he's doing. Um, I think this ties in so well with the idea of what is the will of God for me. Uh, well, that's where First uh, Thessalonians 4 uh, says, uh, verse 3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know, possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in, uh, not in lustful passion. And so the idea is, this, this is the will of God, holiness. You know, to do to live right. Uh, yes. You know, and so a will of God isn't your ten year plan. It's it's to live holy, right? It's to live holy right now. I, th- I think that's such a uh, a good aspect of that. Uh, and then as we do that, we um, do grow in Him. We do evidence the fruit of the Spirit um, because His work in us 
changes us, yes. right? And so that growing and maturing happens, but I think uh, we want to go from zero to 80 in maturity, uh, and that's just not how it works. So it is the playing out this will of God in your life day by day that then ends up with a growing uh, that takes place. If growing and maturing are related, they're related in the sense that through my spiritual growth, I reach a higher state of maturity, a greater level of sanctification being set apart. But it all begins with obedience to the will of God, doesn't it? If God says his will is our sanctification, our being set apart for him, if we're told that we must be holy as he is holy, if Hebrews 6 tells us that we need to go on to maturity, these are all expressions of the will of God. And if we're obedient to that expressed will of God, our maturity is going to be greater and greater. The, the wonderful thing is that the Holy Spirit is ready and able to do those things in us right. that will allow us to be mature, to, to reach the place where we have been able to look back on what the Spirit has done in our lives, what God has done in our lives, and see that, yes, we have matured, yeah. even though it was just one step at a time. You know, we can see this maturity in, in people's, uh, in, in physical life as a good picture of that maturity in spiritual life that, you know, a toddler's not going to uh, tomorrow be an Olympian, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so that expectation shouldn't be there. In the church body, it shouldn't be there. There's going to be people who make immature decisions, and uh, we can come alongside them, help them to see that their decision may or may not be correct, uh, but expect <laughs> expect immaturity. Yes, in the immature, right? You don't expect a toddler to win the 100-yard dash in the Olympics, right? Um, at the same time, uh, those of us who are mature, um, who are mature in some areas, uh, need to choose to do it. You don't want the Olympian to sit on the couch, mm-hmm. right? You want him in, in doing what he's supposed to do. So, right. um, And then, as I, as I messed that up, uh, all of us are immature in some ways at some times. Right. right, all of us. We don't yeah. have it all together. That's it's, why. It's that's easier why the for us to, to see happen. it in the in the toddler. Right. You know, you you if you're discipling someone who is a relatively new believer, they're going to come up with all kinds of crazy ideas and and interpretations and things like that. That's normal. That's because they aren't. They they're drinking the milk of the word at that point. You don't drink. You don't eat meat at the very beginning. Is part of your maturing process. You get to where you can eat the meat of the word. But uh, that illustration about the infant growing up to an adult is so important when we see the whole concept of growth and maturity. One other, one other. And the Holy Spirit wants to grow us up. Yeah. Nobody wants a baby to stay a baby. You always want the right. baby to mature. Right. I think just like how kids grow, they some grow with uh, tactile some grow with speech more quickly, you know, some physically grow quicker. Uh, there's all these differences in how they mature, mm-hmm. and we allow for that. Um, uh, I think it's the same way with, with uh, spiritual growth. I, like someone would, 
um, look at your knowledge of the scripture and say, okay, I, I want to have that knowledge of the scripture. Well, it's taken 745 years to... Uh, <laughs> Just okay. call me Methuselah. Maybe not that long. Yeah. But it's taken a long time and and purposeful study, mm-hmm. right, to get to right. the understanding of Scripture that you have. Um, and, and so it, you don't get there right away. And uh, not everybody is bent just like you. Obviously, studying the Scriptures is important for everybody. Sure. But there's a whole lot of people who are not going to study it ever in the way that you have mm-hmm. because it's not, how, it's not how they're bent. It's not so... I don't want to downplay the study of Scripture at all, but um, that is uh, that is a driving force of your of your uh, ministry, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I guess I chose a bad analogy, but I think you need to see what I'm saying. That there are difference. People see people mature in one way, and they want to mature in that. Be just like them, mm-hmm. but they're not just like them, right? right? So you, you you be what God wants you to be, and passionately pursue uh, pursue that. All right, so maintaining our relationship with the Spirit. We've gone a little long today, um, but what a good uh, subject to consider uh, this ongoing relationship we have. A believer has the Spirit with them all the time, and what a privilege it is. Um, But then it is a cooperative relationship um, that gives control over to the Spirit uh, repeatedly in our lives, follows what He wants and uh, maintains that relationship. When it goes off, when we know we have grieved or quenched the Spirit, then confession is, is needed, not so that we're saved again, because we're already saved, but so that that relationship, that cooperative relationship, is back in sync, right? Mm-hmm. And so then we continue to grow in Him. And He wants to do a great work in you and through you. And uh, no, matter, no matter who you are, He wants to do a great work in you and through you. And He can because he's awesome. All right, thanks for joining with us today. Uh, Comment, email, uh, review, all those things. Uh, You can email me at pd at crossbridgeindy.com and love to um, get get feedback from you on these podcasts that we're doing on uh, theology. It's an important, see that? It's an important topic. See how I did that? Brought I that back in. You did that. Yes. <laughs> Thank good. you for joining with us today, and go follow what the Spirit wants in your life this week.